My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to provide insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 92 of the Biohacker Babes podcast. I'm Renee and I'm here with my sister, Lauren. Hey, everyone. Well, here, relatively here. She's in New York. I'm in Las Vegas and we are joining over Zoom today. And we have an episode, just the two of us today. Yay. On- yeah. <laughs> just the babes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Today, we're going to be talking about brain fog. We've had some requests about this topic and some other topics that we can actually tie back to brain fog. So we thought let's throw it all in and create an awesome episode. All right. Brain fog. I'm going to guess that most of you have experienced this. Um, if not, we're going to go a little bit more into the definition of it so you can figure out if this is an issue for you. So to kick it off, I just want to share that brain fog is not a medical condition. This is not something that you're going to go to your doctor and they're going to diagnose you with brain fog. It's kind of a spectrum of issues that we throw all into this bucket of brain fog. Now, how do you know if this is a problem for you? I think you need to ask yourself, are you having any of the symptoms that I'm going to cover in just a second? Are you having any of these symptoms that are impacting your daily life? Are you struggling to get through the work day? Are you having any issues in the household? Are you struggling to get through day-to-day activities? You know, truly, is it impacting your daily life? I think some people have brain fatigue sometimes. <laughs> I mean, anyone can experience what feels like brain fog after a night of bad sleep that is to be expected. You know, after a period of acute stress, maybe a night of drinking, you're not going to feel great the next day. Obviously, you didn't get the rest, repair, detox overnight when you were sleeping that you needed. So sure, that's going to affect your brain function. I think the question really is, are these symptoms persistent and are you losing maybe clarity, attention where you didn't used to have a problem? Right. That's a good point. Is it persistent? Because yeah, if you go out late and you're drinking all night and you wake up the next day and you have brain fog, well, no surprise. I'm sure you will. (laughs) Don't, you know, write that off as like a big issue. I think it's, if you maybe can't pinpoint it to something that you did the day before. So yeah, if it's a day-to-day thing and some of the symptoms to look out for, it's not just limited to these, but things to watch out for are inability to focus or concentrate. So any kind of attention problems, reduced mental clarity, poor cognitive function, loss of short and long-term memory, that can be a red flag. And then this feeling of kind of like mental fatigue and also any feelings of like confusion or irritability, Um, could be overall fatigue, but I know sometimes people explain brain fog is like, I physically feel like I have energy. Like I could go work out, but I can't sit and have a conversation. It's this Mm -hmm. mental fatigue. And like I was saying before, there is a really wide spectrum and 
you know, I can talk about brain fog for a really long time because this was one of my biggest issues when I was really sick in my twenties. And Lauren, I've told you this before. Like I had days where my brain fog was so bad. I questioned whether my name was Renee. Oh, wow. I don't remember you telling me that. Oh, it's the weirdest yeah, brain feeling. Fog. Didn't remember. Didn't remember. <laughs> ah. Yeah. It's wow. like, you feel like there's like this cloud in your head and you just can't pinpoint any words or thoughts. I think that is like the worst end of the spectrum where you're just second guessing everything that comes out of your mouth. And you're like, I don't know what is right. What is wrong? But yeah, especially when you're doing everything right. I feel like I hear that from clients a lot. They're like, I'm going to sleep. I'm getting great sleep, checking my data, my metrics, you know, I'm not drinking. I've looked at my food. It's like when you're doing everything right and you're still just not quite clear, mm-hmm. that's brain fog. Yeah. And I know Renee, you've slept, you can easily sleep 12 hours a night sometimes with your chronic fatigue. Like yeah. And that's body when- is get should be getting the rest that it needs, but Right. Right. Yeah. And when I had chronic fatigue, you know, I still felt like I could exercise a lot. I think that was the weird thing. People were like, well, you're going to CrossFit. You must be fine. But (laughs) I like, I couldn't function mentally throughout the day. Yeah. It was a different type of fatigue. Yeah. And no amount of caffeine stimulants, nootropics will relieve that. No, just makes it worse. (laughs) Yeah. So I think the problem here, because there's no diagnosis, there's no test. And also we know the body is so complex. It really is impossible to pinpoint a singular cause. If you follow us on Instagram, if you listen to this podcast, you know, it's always root causes. There's multiple causes because the body is a system. Our organs all communicate with each other. Everything works together. We can't possibly isolate and say, this is the one reason. So as we kind of go through the list of causes. And then we're going to, we're going to hopefully give you some solutions. Try not to attach just to one thing. It can be multiple things. And, and I want everyone to really use some analytical thinking here and see if you can, you can create some crossover for yourself and see if you can bring, you know, make your own connections as we go through. And the goal for today really is to create a roadmap for you to help determine these opportunities for healing and get you closer to these root causes. We can't sit here and say, this is absolutely why you have your brain fog. Hopefully we can, um, just empower you to dig a little bit deeper on your own. And then, you know, as we always say, we are here. If you have done the work, if you have gone through the questions, done your research and you're still stumped with your brain fog, come back to us. We'll work through it with you guys. So long, long list. Yes. You want to (laughs) start? So we brainstormed all the root causes that we could think of that could be causing brain fog. And we thought to not overwhelm you all, we broke it down into categories. And Lauren, you said, you know, the brain is connected to everything in the body. So why not start with the biggest connection that people talk about so much? And that is the brain gut connection. So the brain gut axis, this is a never ending Uh, cycle of communication. The gut and brain are talking all day long. So this is category number one. What are we looking for in this area? Number one, gut permeability. So you may have heard of that as leaky gut or intestinal permeability. This is where we are now seeing things that are going into the intestines that should be traveling along. They are now leaching through the walls due to typically some damaged uh, microvilli and the intestinal lining. And now particles are getting into the bloodstream. This is causing an immune response and lots of inflammation. When we see gut inflammation, we see brain inflammation, also called neuroinflammation. And just think about it. If your brain is inflamed, it's probably not going to be working optimally. 
So that's the first thing we want to look at gut permeability. Is there inflammation going on there? Yeah, I think that's really important. Sorry to jump in important for people uh, for all of you to really take that in that inflammation isn't just always an injury. It's not like a boo-boo. You're not always going to feel it. You could have inflammation going on in the gut and your brain and not feel it in the way that you think. Like I know this comes up a lot. I don't have inflammation. Like I'm, I'm healthy. I'm working out. Well, that's not the only, the only possibility. Right. This low grade chronic inflammation is not something you're really going to feel, but that's actually the more dangerous type of inflammation. Totally. I like that you said boo-boo. <laughs> now I'm like thinking, I have a boo-boo in my brain. <laughs> yeah, cute. we can have lots of boo-boos, but <laughs> I, that always comes up with, with clients. They're like, I don't have inflammation. Like, I don't remember the last time I had an injury or they're like, oh, I'm inflamed because I have this injury. I was like, well, you probably have some other inflammation. Let's talk about that. Right. Great. And then this also ties into, if that is an issue, we're also going to see nutrient deficiencies because right, all of our micronutrients or vitamins or minerals, all of that's being absorbed in the intestines. But if we have this permeability, our body's not able to absorb these properly. So we're going to see all sorts of deficiencies, which then are not going to be able to fuel the brain. So we need these vitamins and minerals to fuel the brain. And without that, we're going to deal with brain fog. Yeah. And you could be taking the best supplements, the the highest quality supplements and not be absorbing a single thing that could just be leaking through your excreting them. And it's like all that money you spent on some really good stuff. It's not worth it. If your gut is leaky, damaged, inflamed. Yeah. And quick side note, that's why I really like liposomal formulas. I think they're great whether your gut is damaged and leaky or not, because it's just a great way to bypass the digestive tract. But especially if you're dealing with this, like either take a liposomal formula or just don't take anything. Cause like Lauren said, it's just, it's just coming right through your body and not doing anything, just wasting your money. They're also way more fun. (laughs) Yeah. I keep mine all on the, the same shelf in the fridge and you just pull them out, pump them, pump the next one. It's so much easier than unscrewing dumping the capsules. And then it's like, how many pills can you swallow at a time? Yeah. I do all the the capsule linings. Yeah. Yeah. Love the liposomals and Quicksilver is our brand of choice. We'll put it in the show notes. Yes. Okay. Let's tie in food sensitivities. Now you could absolutely have a true food allergy. If you're testing for that, you're going to look at IgE on a blood test. You could also have food sensitivities, which is going to be an IgG Uh, response on your blood test. But if you do a food sensitivity panel and you have 10, 20, 30, 40 foods come up, that's when you want to look back to your gut health. It's not normal to react to that many foods. Yeah. I think the average person could have two or three food sensitivities, right? Maybe dairy, gluten, eggs, the common things. But if you're reacting to everything, that's where you really need to look at gut health first. You got to heal the gut and then your body will hopefully stop responding so negatively to all those different foods. Yeah. I think the worst plan of attack would be to just keep eliminating foods because you think you can't digest them or metabolize them. And then suddenly you're on this five food diet and you're not getting any nutrition, but yeah, circle back to the gut. Right. That's not the answer. All right. Sugar consumption. I think we say this in every episode. Sugar is bad news bears. So good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We know that sugar is very detrimental on the gut. It affects our microbiome. So it feeds more of the, we'll call them the bad bacteria in the gut and they don't really optimize the good bacteria in the gut. And Lauren, you found an interesting study about this with gut colonization and sugar. 
Yeah, there was a study at Yale University that was showing that fructose plus glucose, which turns into sucrose, is actually blocking this natural production of uh, bacteroides, which is a really important strain that we need for gut diversity and like an ideal population of gut microbes. So, yes, we we need sugar, but <laughs> not processed sugar, not... I think people. the argument is always, oh, our brain needs sugar. That's the way that... That's like the type of fuel that your brain wants. Well, your body creates sugars from a lot of the foods you eat, especially if they're real foods. So, never ever <laughs> buy into that argument that your brain needs sugar because it is wreaking havoc on your gut. So I'm not saying completely cut out all of your sugar. Just look at your inputs. Look at the quality of sugar and where it's coming from. Yeah, you can get glucose from your whole foods without getting processed sugar in there. Great. Medications. Now, if you're on a medication, yeah, if you're on a medication, please talk with your doctor before you make any changes to these. But just know that, you know, antibiotics, we all know, destroy the gut. So we want to minimize antibiotic use as much as possible. They can be life-saving, but just be very thoughtful before jumping onto an antibiotic. Um, NSAIDs. I think this is more well-known when you say, Lauren, that NSAIDs are damaging to the gut. I think. Yeah, but it doesn't stop people from taking them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we need to make a scarier announcement about that, what it's doing to your gut. (laughs) They're so scary. Scary. Yeah. Just please don't. They're blocking. They're blocking pain. We're not healing at the root. Or we need to do some other digging and figuring, figure out why you're experiencing the pain, whatever it is, there's another solution. I guarantee you, because by trying to uh, treat the problem with the NSAIDs, you're just creating more of a problem long-term. So avoid the band-aid, save the band-aids for the boo-boos, for the, (laughs) for the brain (laughs) boo-boos. Yeah. All right. Um, other medications. So oral con- contraceptives, we have talked a little bit about birth control and other episodes, but we are now seeing that this damages the gut, but it also leads to numerous micronutrient deficiencies, which can cause brain fog, right? Everything is tying back to brain fog. <laughs> and then also PPIs. So I think this is really important to understand. So stomach acid, we need, we need stomach it. Yeah, we need it. <laughs> I got like, really excited about that one. We need it. We need it. Lauren's <laughs> very passionate about that topic. Yeah, <laughs> we we need our stomach to have this acid because that is what is breaking down protein. It's then helping us to digest and absorb these nutrients. So if you have you know acid reflux, indigestion, things like this, where then you're taking some kind of acid blocker, yes, you're bringing down the acid and you're going to have that temporary relief, but over time, lowering that stomach acid is going to cause more problems. And a big thing that we're seeing now with this is long-term, we're seeing vitamin B12 deficiency, which is also being linked to dementia. I am going to call it, I think in five years, doctors are finally going to be like, oh, before I put you on this PPI, let me warn you that this could cause dementia. You think? I think it's coming. Sorry, I'm the pessimist. I'm like, really? I'm going to be. I'm going to be optimistic about that. Cool. And you heard it here first. All right. So be careful if you do. If you do have acid reflux, I'm not going to spend more time on that today. But just again, there's a there is a root cause that you need to get to rather than just suppressing that acid because you're going to have issues long term. Yeah, that's just another band aid. Exactly. 
All right, so another really big consideration here is the vagal vagus nerve. So we can talk about poor vagal tone in in relation to brain fog. So the vagus nerve essentially is like the highway that connects the gut to the brain. That is the gut-brain axis. And our vagus nerve essentially is like always communicating with the entire body. And it's really challenged by sympathetic activation. So the more time we spend chronically stressed in fight or flight in that sympathetic state, that means there's less chance for the vagus nerve to send proper communication for our rest digest because it's a little more parasympathetic in nature. So if we have this overactivation of sympathetic, we don't get the parasympathetic. So that really affects the vagus nerve. And if that highway is compromised and your body's not getting communication, we started this episode talking about how your entire body is constantly communicating. Your organs are communicating. So the vagus nerve is, is hurting communication or we are hurting communication on this pathway. Uh, when we have too much, I guess I'll just say like, if we have too much stress that really affects the vagal tones. And we've talked about this on the podcast before, so you can revisit some old episodes, but, um, we spoke about it with Jody from vibrant blue essential oils and just like some quick things. So you can support your vagus nerve, things like humming, gargling. If you don't remember those, shoot us a quick message. Also in a previous episode with Brendan, he talked about microglial cells, and that's really implicated in neuroinflammation. So inflammation specifically in the brain. These are our brain's immune cells. And they also get really overwhelmed by this chronic stress response or this chronic inflammation. So just more things that can happen. The bottom line here is we're trying to heal the gut so that we protect this highway so that your brain is getting proper signaling, proper communication, proper modes of healing to do. I mean, our bodies are supposed to heal naturally. So I really think it comes back to the gut number one, but we got a lot more to go. Yeah. So number one, we got to be looking at the brain gut connection. And I think just to throw out um, a great book that we both really loved was Dr. Karazian's book. Why, oh, why isn't my brain working? The Bible. Yeah. I'm just turning around to look at my bookshelf. Actually, it's in my living room. Yep. Why is my brain? Why isn't my brain working? Yeah. And he goes a lot into that neuroinflammation pathway and what to do about it. All right. So that's our number one category wrapped up in a little beautiful little gift. Yeah. And again, not isolated, but we are going to move on to hormones specifically. And I kind of want to kick this off with menopause. Oh yeah. (laughs) Ladies going through perimenopause, menopause, brain fog is so, so common. It is expected. And I hope you feel better knowing that you are not alone in this. What's happening with menopause? So we get this um, sharp decline in estrogen or as you're going through perimenopause, because menopause doesn't just happen. You're not like not in menopause one day and then you are the next day. This is over a lengthy period of time where your estrogen is is spiking, dropping back down. Like there's not a steady level. So you kind of get this roller coaster effect and, and then long-term into menopause, your estrogen really drops. So what's happening here is that our, our organ systems and these highways of information, and, and specifically here we have the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. So that's like another highway, a means of communication. This is what controls female reproduction and our female hormones. So as you move like uh, into your 40s, this production kind of slows down and it actually will hand off the work 
to the HPA axis, which is your hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, which we've talked about on the show. People that are feeling adrenal fatigue or dysregulated cortisol that is highly implicated with HPA axis dysfunction. And we know you're affected throughout your entire life in this way. So chronic stress, especially for women that are, you know, caretakers and sacrificing and, and just doing a lot of work where multitasking, the HPO axis hands the work over to the HPA axis, which is already really tired, most likely chronically stressed for years. And so this production gets dampened even more. And so when this estrogen production is up and down, up and down, and then lower, and then the rest of your system is already stressed, we get brain fog. Anything yeah. to add in there? <laughs> no, I think that's such a good point. It's like, it's almost like the HPA axis is like your backup system. But if you've already damaged it over the 40 years, then it's not a great backup system. <laughs> yeah, so. your reserves get a little less um, reliable. Yeah. And then also in, um, in this area with the HPA access, we also have thyroid. So your hypothalamus and pituitary instruct the thyroid to work, to function, to do what they need to do. So if HPA is stressed or dysfunctional, then thyroid is probably dysfunctional. So a lot of people go to their doctor and like, we'll test your thyroid and they find a problem in the thyroid, either hypo or hyper, but it could be more upstream. We have to look at the hypothalamus, the pituitary, because those are the governors. That's what's directing these other organs to produce, to function. So always, always, you got to step back and look at the bigger picture. Don't isolate. Sure, it could be your thyroid. It's probably even more upstream than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you, if you go online and probably just Google, you know, symptoms of hypothyroidism, I think the top two are brain fog and inability to lose weight. So everyone mm -hmm. thinks they have a thyroid issue because of that. Um, yeah. but, and then also like, Lauren said, wrong. yeah, yeah. I mean, you definitely thyroid, you definitely need to check this off your list. If you're dealing with brain fog, it could be at the, one of the many root causes. And like Lauren said, if you're going to the doctor, you know, make sure they're testing more than just your TSH, that's your thyroid stimulating hormone. That's just the message from the brain. But quite often I see people have a TSH in range, but everything else is out of range. So if mm -hmm. you are curious about what to look for with thyroid, go back and listen to our episode. It was eight lab biomarkers that you need to be testing. And we talk about why you need to run a full thyroid panel and which hormones to look at. So do not yeah. overlook the thyroid. Yeah. And just to sort of tighten this up and, and bring it back to the beginning, if you're experiencing perimenopause, moving towards menopause, definitely work with your functional medicine practitioner. Um, I would say Dr. Sarah Gottfried is an excellent resource for this. If maybe if bioidenticals are right for you, but definitely look at your gut health, check that off the list. Make sure your gut is healthy, being nourished, work with your practitioner, but no, this is super common in menopause. Yeah. And if you are going to consider bioidentical hormones, you know, BHRT, like Lauren said, check off the list first. Your gut's got to be healthy. Your liver's got to be supported. Do everything you can to support your hormones naturally. And then if you still need bioidentical hormones, then I think it definitely has a place to help relieve some of these symptoms. Cool. All righty. So that's hormones. Next up, stealth infections. I will chat about this since this was one of my biggest issues. So a couple of the infections that we want to talk about are uh, Lyme, the Epstein-Barr virus, and Candida. 
uh, Lyme. I mean, when I was working in Maryland, it seemed like everyone had Lyme. It was just so rampant, you know, definitely in the Northeast. I don't see it as much out here in Vegas, but a lot of people had Lyme and didn't know they did. Like they never had like the tick bite with the rash. Like they never had like the major signs where you would immediately jump on antibiotics or something like that. So more people have Lyme um, than you would even think. But the only problem here is the testing is not hundred percent accurate, hmm. which is unfortunate. So if you suspect you have Lyme, you definitely want to work with a, you know, a Lyme doctor, someone that is really proficient in this because it is a very, very tricky thing to test for and to treat, but don't overlook it. Don't think like, Oh, I never had a tick bite. I can't have Lyme. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely a, a possibility. Epstein-Barr virus. I would say, you know, this is a little bit similar in the fact that, you know, most people remember having mono, which is the Epstein-Barr virus. Maybe you had mono for a week and you got over it. Maybe it was six months. It took a while to overcome it. Could be a variety of, you know, reactions to it. But some people also had mono and didn't know it. You know, maybe your immune system kept it at bay and you never had the major red flag symptoms. And that's where blood testing. Yeah. That's the definition of a stealth infection, right? You're body is so capable of hiding it. You don't even know that you have the virus. Yeah. So there is really good blood testing for Epstein-Barr. So you can look at, you know, do you have a current infection? Did you have a past infection? So that can give you some insight into that. But I would say one major thing here is if you had mono and feel like you haven't been the same since, definitely something you need to target. I mean, there's a lot of great protocols out there. Uh, Dr. Kind's uh, somewhat the medical medium. I think he's a, <laughs> he's got an interesting perspective on it, but there are great protocols to really attack the Epstein-Barr virus and make sure that that's not an issue. And then finally, you definitely knew that you had it. Oh yeah. I mean, I think I had like one of the worst cases. I was really down for a good six months. And then, and then I was that person that I never felt the same. Mm. I still... I still don't think I have really, I think, you know, I've said this on other episodes. If I ever let up on my sleep or nutrition or stress, I almost feel like I have a mini dose of mono again, Mm. because potentially the virus is in our bodies for life. And we just need to always keep our immune system strong, keep our healthy lifestyle. And we can help to keep that stealth infection, I guess, at bay so that it's not wreaking havoc in our body. Yeah. I'll never forget going to Paris with you when you first got it. And I was like, you slept. Like, why can't we go walk all over the city? Come on. I had no idea. I think I thought it was like maybe the flu, which is crazy Uh because I had a fever. I'm like sweating. I'm exhausted. I'm like, let's jump on a plane from Barcelona to Paris. Can you imagine (laughs) that in 2021? (laughs) I would have like men in hazmat suits, like, tackling me at the airlifting you out of there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Goodbye. Yeah. You will never be allowed to travel with a fever again. That is in the past. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That was a rough time. All right. Other self-infections on candida. Lauren, I know you do a lot of this with uh, your organic acid testing, so you can pick up on this. Yeah. That is just such a tricky, complex (laughs) category. I think if you suspect it, we definitely do some testing for it, but make sure you've done everything that we've listed above first. Uh, we could do a separate episode about candida. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Let's okay. pin that because if I start talking about this, it'll be 30 minutes. Okay. All right. <laughs> and 
stay tuned for later. <laughs> yeah. But, um, the, I think the positive is that there is testing for it. Organic acids is a, a great way to do that. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So Wrap our next up. category, circadian rhythm. We love our circadian rhythm. So we talked about in the beginning, you know, you can have a bad night of sleep, have some brain fog, fatigue the next day. Sure. Get it. But if you have some kind of sleep disorder, you chronically have poor sleep, you're not getting that rest and recovery. Your circadian rhythm is altered. Maybe you just have an inconsistent sleep schedule that could lead to brain fog where you have these persistent symptoms. So I think always good to kind of do the checklist and figure out why you're not sleeping. You know, are you waking up at the same time every night, even after you've hacked your environment? Do you have something like sleep apnea or an upper respiratory syndrome? Um, you know, the biggest red flag is like, are you snoring? But if you're not getting that rest and recovery and you feel like you've done everything to hack your sleep environment, well, one, our dad is a fabulous resource. And you can read his book about Stop the Snore. First, lots of information about those two categories. But definitely, definitely will um, lead to brain fog. We're cutting off oxygen to the brain. You're not sleeping. It is no surprise that you're going to feel a little fatigued and confused. And then also with any kind of altered circadian rhythm, we also have an altered cortisol. We know through the Dutch test that your morning cortisol, your, your cortisol awakening response, your car, which is just like my favorite thing in the world. You got to have a strong car first thing in the morning. We want that cortisol to raise up. That's going to help us fight inflammation throughout the day. So if you have any kind of altered cortisol in the morning or even throughout the day, definitely brain fog. Some simple things like overtraining. Are you really addicted to your exercise? You know, exercise is a positive thing. It's a great hormetic stressor. There's so many benefits, but overtraining and that can only be decided by you. Are you overtraining? Like, can you be really honest with yourself? Are you doing a lot of exercise because you're addicted to it? Is there something, is there something else driving your reason for working out other than really just trying to support your body? Um, we have to look at that and that can go, you know, over or under. Yeah. And, and I then, say uh, something funny about overtraining. I love that you said, you know, be honest with yourself. I had had a client this week who didn't think she was overtraining, but she walked me through her workout plan. You know, she walks and then yeah. she bikes and then she swims and then she does this and does this. And she's saying it out loud. And she's like, I'm overtraining, uh -oh. aren't I? Oh, wow. <laughs> she, she didn't really think about it until she was saying it out loud. She was like, Hmm, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Be mindful. Yeah. Sometimes you really just have to spell it out for yourself. And I don't know, just be open to the idea that you could. And we know overtraining puts chronic stress on the body. And if you are over consuming caffeine and overtraining, that is like a huge double whammy that's going to affect your cortisol. Then, then you're going to have a sleep disorder. This is all circular and intertwined. So you know how we feel about sleep. Consistency hack your sleep environment, make sure you're waking up at the same time every day, you know, sunlight and food is the best way to reset your circadian rhythm. I'm just recapping. Look yeah. at your exercise training. And I will say, I think this is one of the most annoying things for me is wake up at the same time every day. Like this is still one of the hardest things for me to do, but I think it may, it has, when I stick to it, it makes a really big difference with brain fog because if you think about it, you know, if you're waking up at eight o'clock on most days and then one day you're up at seven, 
you're going to be groggy because your brain is confused why you're awake. Mm -hmm. So just that consistency is so, so key. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I feel the pain. (laughs) So those are definitely like some lifestyle things that we don't even need to test for. That's look, you looking at your own environment, lifestyle, nutrition, exercise choices, and figuring that out on paper. Yeah. Brain fog or not, we should all be doing that. Yeah. All right. We had two more categories, detoxification and then genetics. All right. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. Yeah, Let's talk about detox. Hmm. I'm trying to think how people have experienced this before, you know, maybe a night out where you had too many drinks and then the next day you have brain fog. That's a very easy connection to your liver. So when your liver is trying to process all of the toxins, whether it's alcohol, uh, mold from your environment, toxic personal care products, heavy metals in the environment, all these things, when your liver gets bombarded with all that extra work, it can lead to brain fog. Mm -hmm. So all lifestyle things, right? We want to always be loving our liver as much as we can. Look, Look at, you know, what chemicals are coming into your environment. So cleaning products, clean those up in your household because indoor air pollution is a real, real big issue. So clean up your clean up your cleaning products, (laughs) personal care products. They are just full of these endocrine disruptors that are causing so much havoc on the liver. So clean up your personal care products, alcohol. That's the obvious one, right? We want to minimize that as much as possible, but if we are going to drink alcohol, we want to incorporate different remedies that can help offset that, you know, things like glutathione, vitamin C are really helpful. We like to drink coast because it has the NAD, the B vitamins, the zinc, the electrolytes, all really good nutrients to replenish the body. And then if there's other things that are going on, maybe like mold, you know, Lauren can do the organic acid test, which looks at mold, but also just be aware of your environment in your house, in your office, anywhere you are spending a lot of time. Could there potentially be mold brain fog or not? We want to be cleaning up our environment, but just keep in mind a healthy liver is also going to be a healthy brain. Yeah. The liver is super busy all the time, all the time. And you know what people always say, we don't need to support detox because that's the liver's job. The liver does all the detoxification, but remember our liver is not much different than the liver in a human a thousand years ago, 10,000 years ago. Right. But we're bombarded with thousands of new chemicals every year. Our liver was not designed to be able to handle all of that. Yeah. Just look at the planet that we're living, living on. Even if you're eating super clean, you're still getting, you know, glyphosate, herbicides, pesticides in the air and your water. It's freaking everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, when the, the liver is overburdened like that, it becomes less effective at taking toxins out of the blood supply. And like our brain requires that blood flow to function. If you're not getting blood flow to your brain, <laughs> your brain's going to be the first thing that's impaired. So essentially if your liver is bogged down trying to detoxify, brain fog. Boom. Easy one. Yeah. I mean, your brain function isn't really a priority short-term, right? Your liver is trying to get these toxins through as quick as possible. If you have a little bit of brain fog or some short-term memory loss, not a big deal, right? You can survive in the moment. You feel like you might not feel like you're going to survive, but you will survive. (laughs) So the body will always prioritize what is going to keep us on this planet as long as possible. Yep. So I think, did you get through all of those heavy metals, mold, endocrine disruptors, everything in your environment, alcohol? Yeah. Oh, but you actually mentioned another thing, Lauren, you said herbicides and pesticides. One really easy thing that you can do to help with this is 
do not wear your shoes indoors. Get in the routine of when you walk in your front door, take your shoes off because your shoes are picking up all kinds of, well, herbicides and pesticides might not even be the worst thing that you're walking through. Who knows where, <laughs> where your shoes have been, but leave those at the front door. That way, at least you know that your house is a little bit cleaner from those chemicals. Yeah. I have to say like the one thing about New York is we don't have a lot of <laughs> places for those pesticides, herbicides to be sprayed, but we have all kinds of other literal shit on the ground. Yeah. Those streets are gross. <laughs> Yum. Yeah. So leave it outside. All right. Yeah. Renee, we haven't talked about blood sugar yet. Well, that's a given. <laughs> I think yes, someone... it's a given, but just in case you're new to this podcast, to us, we cannot escape this, um, this topic without talking about blood sugar. You got to be regulating your blood sugar. The brain relies on a steady stream of glucose. Yes, that's kind of a complicated topic, but if you have too much glucose, too little glucose, your brain is going to be on this disgusting roller coaster, not a fun roller coaster. So if you're new here, blood sugar, blood sugar, we have like yeah. a, a million episodes about it. Get used to it. Got to yeah. be regulated. And you, you won't always know if it's hyper or hypo. Sometimes you really just have to test. No, not sometimes. You have to test. Everyone should test your blood sugar, at least for one small period in your life. You should test it. Yeah. I think you really need to learn what your body feels like when your blood sugar is high and when it's low. And I think Lauren and I both experienced this, like what we thought was low blood sugar was actually a different feeling. So you need to test yourself, whether you're using a continuous glucose monitor or just get like the keto mojo. So you can test periodically throughout the day with a, a simple finger prick, just get to know your body, know what that feels like. And then you won't need to test all the time because you'll have the perfect blood sugar regulation. But well, I have to admit, I still don't really know what high blood sugar feels like when I've tested and it's high. I'm like, okay, I'm going to tune in, close my eyes, pay attention to these symptoms. And I still don't really feel anything. I can't say that's true for everyone, okay. but yeah, I need the testing. I need to like understand what foods, what combinations of foods, all the different factors that could potentially give me that result because I still have not connected symptoms to it. Same thing with low blood sugar. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, we're all different, so you might not really feel any symptoms with that. Not, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, but some, some people have extreme so symptoms. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. doesn't mean it's not wreaking havoc, even if you're not feeling it. Exactly. The point of that. <laughs> all right. Last category, genetics. So I think if you've gone through this list and you've checked everything off and you're like, nope, 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 not that. I got it. I've done it all. Well, one, write to us because that's amazing if you don't have <laughs> anything else to work on. <laughs> but um, genetics is always like another consideration. I wouldn't say it's the last consideration. I think getting your genetics tested at this point is just so freaking easy. Just do it. But I think... Um, coming back to that could be a last consideration if nothing else has really proven useful. So uh, some things we see here, poor methylation. Some of us are much better at producing these methyl groups that help us to um, uh, create cofactors for vitamins and metabolic processes. So you can absorb your nutrients, your vitamins. If you're a poor methylator, that will show up in your genetic testing. 
choline metabolism. This is a big one. This is really necessary for acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter. So that's a brain hormone that controls your mood, your memory, uh, muscle control. What else, Renee? Your nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. I need a, a lot of choline for my diet and supplementation because of this. Yeah, I do too. And I've seen that in my genetic reports. Like I am at risk for altered choline metabolism. So um, you could see that with the PEMT gene. That's not the only gene, but that could be a big one. And this is affected by estrogen. So for my ladies going through perimenopause, menopause, also men tend to have, um, and men tend to be a little bit more affected by this gene because it's boosted by estrogen. Self-decode, which we've had on the podcast before, Joe Cohen, uh, their website is a fabulous resource on genetics for brain fog, especially, or for brain anything. <laughs> yeah, because Joe, that's actually how he got into it, right? He had extreme brain fog and he couldn't find any answers. And for him, the genetic factor was the missing piece. And mm. that's why he founded Self-decode, which is really powerful. Yeah. I love when people find solutions to their problems. There you go. Omegas. So EPA, DHA are critical for brain function. That's why we take fish oil. And there's some genes involved in maybe an altered metabolism of those nutrients. You can check that out. Um, just one in particular is, I don't even know if this is pronounced. We just read it out. E-L-O-V-L-2. It sounds like E-level 2. Yeah, you just sound like a robot. E-L-O-V-L-2. E yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I need to take extra DHEA, DHA, not DHEA. Do not get those mixed up. I need extra DHA for my brain to function. Yeah. And then the last one is our, our endo. I can never say this on my first try. I believe in you. Endo <laughs> endocannabinoid. I know. You have to just I like that roll too. off the tongue. If you pause, it won't come out. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how many times I've said, said <laughs> wow, no matter how many times I've said that word, it still never comes out right. <laughs> yeah. Even when I hear people lecturing on it, it's like always a tongue twister. Yeah. But so, yeah, so we have these receptors all throughout our body. And there are some genetic factors here, but we see differences in brain function, pain sensitivity, mood disorders, inflammation, all of these things. So this can all kind be tied back. Everything in the body? Everything. <laughs> it's literally, every, these receptors are everywhere in the body, everywhere. So do not be anti like CBD hemp. We, we need these. Um, and this can be looked at with the CNR1 gene. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Um, yeah. Some of us do better with more of this, less, et cetera. And I just wanted to say one more thing about the genetic testing. You mentioned, I mean, there's no reason that everyone can't do this now. I know a lot of people were really concerned about doing something like 23andMe or Ancestry DNA because they're potentially selling your data mm. or using it for whatever purpose. But I will say self-decode is great. They will not send your information anywhere or sell your information. So you can trust doing your genetic test through them. And then the other great thing is you only have to test your genes one time. It's the yeah, only test never you change once. <laughs> if they yeah. do change, then you have other issues to worry about. <laughs> yeah. All right. So those are all of our root causes. You, it's just kind of like a checklist. So next we're going to say, you know, what do we do about that? So we're going to talk about number one is determining the root cause, right? So we go through all of those and we can start that off with lab testing right? Lab testing is always an option. We want to look at, you know, basic labs. So CBC, full thyroid panel, 
the Dutch cortisol and sex hormone test. So the full uh, Dutch complete, do the genetic analysis, potentially the organic acids. If you want to go a little bit deeper, that's a test that Lauren runs. So that's where we mentioned, you know, maybe looking at mold or candida, some gut dysbiosis. So that's kind of one step further. Sleep study. If you think that maybe you're snoring at night, or if you're waking up in the middle of the night and can't fall back asleep, or you're waking up feeling unrested, a sleep study is a really good option. Like Lauren said, you can definitely check out our dad's book, Stop the Snore. Great resource on that topic. And the cool thing about sleep studies is now you can do them at home. There's really great tests. You know, our dad does that for his patients all the time because I never really understood when you go to a sleep center and you're tied up to like 50 different things and they're like, okay, now sleep. That would <laughs> never like, how the million years work for me. <laughs> yeah. So the home sleep study is a little bit better. It's less wires. You're in your own bed. Um, but that's great because it can look at things like uh, sleep apnea, sleep disorder, breathing, upper airway resistance syndrome. Um, a lot of great options for that. So definitely want to check that off the list. And then I would say the final thing for these labs, this is going to be really more specific. So looking at Lyme. Epstein-Barr virus, and then even heavy metals. I really like the heavy metals panel from Quicksilver Scientific. They can do a specific mercury panel where they're looking at hair, blood, and urine, and then they're comparing. So they can see how much mercury is in your body, but then also how much mercury you're potentially storing versus eliminating. And then they can also run a full heavy metal panel if you want to look at everything. But those are really getting specific. Like again, check everything else off the list before you have to dive down that deep rabbit hole. Yeah. And if you want to do some leaky gut testing, you can do blood testing for there's markers like zonulin and occludin that would um, potentially point to leaky gut. Because again, you don't want to just start supplementing if you don't know that your gut is tight. And I say tight because we have we, should, we have junctions that should be tight. They're called tight junctions. I'm not just saying tight like cool. Um, <laughs> make sure your your gut is strong and tight. So you can test for that. Yeah. All right. Next up, I would say identify your food sensitivities. Easiest way to do this or cheapest way to do this is just to do the elimination diet. I think this is good for everyone to do at least one time around. Elimination diet, you're cleaning up your diet, keeping it really strict for a couple of weeks. And then over time, you're slowly reintroducing new foods and seeing how your body reacts. I think this is much better than doing like an IgG blood panel. Yeah. Because those are just, they're not 100% accurate. Hopefully one day they will be, but today in 2021, they are not. So elimination diet, great place to start. And then also blood sugar testing. Obviously we talked about blood sugar. So whether you're doing the CGM or just a finger prick throughout the day, this can also pick up on food sensitivities. So when we react to a food in a poor manner, sometimes we will actually see a spike in blood sugar. So blood sugar testing can get a little complicated, but find a way to test, get to know your body. <laughs> yeah, you should still do it. Yeah. And then my last thing, I, I really love doing this with clients. I always say to write out a health timeline. And I like to start with before they were born. And this is, you know, not just for brain fog, but if you have any health issue and you're really trying to get to the root of it, I think this timeline can be helpful starting with your mother's pregnancy. Ask your mom, would anything happen? Was it a normal, healthy pregnancy? And then starting with them with the day you were born and literally write down anything you can think of. I had an ear infection, needed antibiotics at age five. Uh, age 10, I fell off my bike. I hit my head. I had a concussion. 16, I had mono, ended up with chronic fatigue. 
36, I got divorced. It was really stressful. 40, I lost my job. It was really stressful. Like literally anything like that, put it out on a timeline with your symptoms. And it is amazing what you can pinpoint with that. And this is free. All you need is a piece of paper and a pen. And if you can tie it back to, oh my gosh, it was, it was that event where all this started, right? That can just help to cut back on needing thousands of dollars of lab testing by doing this free, simple at-home hack first. Yeah. And I would challenge anyone to go through that list several times, like keep trying to go deeper. I know with my intake forms, they're really redundant because sometimes people have to be asked the same question three or four times before, you know, a light bulb turns on like, Oh, Mm -hmm. maybe it was that there's so many things that we just sort of like not sweep under the rug, but you just like, you haven't made the connection. So you just don't think about it when asked the question. So keep going through that list. Yeah. Just keep a copy and like a journal next to your bed. And anytime something pops in your head, go and write it down. Don't feel like this is something you're going to do in one sitting and have the answer. It can definitely take time. Yeah. All right. So that's sort of like, this is our roadmap. The first chunk, which Renee just covered so well is determining the root cause. The second chunk is the lifestyle changes. And this is totally a recap because we've talked about this a million times, but resetting your circadian rhythm using sunlight and food, um, keeping a consistent schedule, good sleep hygiene, consider your exercise load. Do you have too much? Do you have too little? I know that is super subjective, uh, but be honest with yourself. The subjective can be really revealing if you're willing to look at it. And then we have objective markers too, like looking at HRV, using your aura ring, relying on some data to give you some signs that maybe you wouldn't give yourself otherwise. And then of course, clean up your personal care and household products. We always like to send people to ewg.org. You can get ratings for products. So if you don't even know where to begin, you can just look at the EWG certified. Like they give like a stamp of approval. And then you can go down from there, like see what, what got a, a one rating, a two rating. You want to be like as far away from 10 as possible. Anything else there? Great. Yeah. All good things to be doing no matter what. And then we move. (laughs) (laughs) And then we move to our last chunk, which is additional support. We're putting supplements in this last category because we don't want you to add supplements until you have checked off all of the lifestyle stuff, really determined all the root causes, laid out the timeline, the mapping. Supplements can be incredibly useful, but again, if you have leaky gut, not the time to add a supplement. If you haven't really kind of connected all the pieces, how do you know you're taking the right supplement? Or maybe you're taking a million supplements and it's adding stress to your body. I mean, you really can streamline. So that's going to go at the very, very end. And once we've determined this, you know, we can get a very targeted approach based on the root cause. So we love nootropics, something like blue canatine, which has methylene blue and um, CBD and a little bit of caffeine and nicotine. That's a great option to upgrade, but it should be the final option. It's kind of the candy. It's the icing on top. And no nootropic is going to heal bad sleep, sleep disorders. It's not going to heal these genetic deficiencies. So last option. Yeah. I almost think of nootropics are what you use when your brain is already healthy and you want to upgrade. Yeah. That's kind of how I'm thinking. Yeah. So you don't want to, you don't want to rely on a nootropic the way a lot of people rely on caffeine to get through the day. Right. I was just going to say that. Yeah. You you know how caffeine never really wakes you up. It's just kind of a, it's a (laughs) bandaid. Yeah. 
And you're really dampening your natural energy reserves. You're hurting your mitochondria by, by adding that Band-Aid. I'm not saying never drink coffee, but just consider that you are making it worse for yourself long-term if you keep using those Band-Aids. Yeah. I heard this quote that I'll never forget. Drinking coffee today is stealing energy from tomorrow. Mm. Mm, yeah. Okay. You can still yeah. have coffee, but just keep that in mind. Like you will have some side effects if you're constantly relying on that caffeine to get through. Anyways. Yeah. And I think if you love coffee as much as Renee and I, you just have to make sure it's coming from a clean source, make sure your coffee hygiene. Yeah. That's totally a thing. Make sure your coffee hygiene is on point. That means not drinking it too late in the day. Even if you do think you can go to sleep, the half-life of coffee is just so long. It's probably affecting you on some level where, whether you're feeling it or not. So I'm not saying never do it, but be mindful. We know coffee can have mold in it. So if you're trying to heal your gut and you're just trying to help your brain fog because your gut is messed up and it's affecting your brain functions, you're drinking coffee, you're going to get stuck in this never-ending cycle. Coffee can be toxic, dirty, it's hurting your mitochondria. So just clean up that hygiene. Yeah. Get that clean coffee. We love Keon and Bulletproof, Purity. Those are all really good brands. So they test to make sure they're mold-free and pesticide-free. That's the other thing. Coffee is one of the highest sprayed crops. Yeah. It's just loaded with pesticides. So yeah. And Four Sigmatic. We love Four Sigmatic. Oh yeah. Especially because they have the adaptogens. So they dampen the stress response from coffee. One, they're starting with a clean coffee that's third party tested, but we, we add in the mushroom adaptogens that help you become more resilient. So that coffee is not going to spike you and drop you. Yep. Great. All right. We have some fun biohacks. Wouldn't be a podcast without biohacks. Yes. All right. So these are some more ways to upgrade your brain. One of my favorites is the brain tap. This awesome little device has headphones and these cool glasses with lights that shine on your eyes. This helps to put your body into a parasympathetic state, balances out the brain. I always feel like superwoman after I do that. So that is a brain tap. And we'll link to all these biohacks in the show notes so you can look them up and learn a little bit more. One day I'll get a brain tap. One day. One day. <laughs> all right. And then we have... Uh, HRV biofeedback. So this is doing your, uh, or testing your HRV. So your heart rate variability, but then providing feedback. So you're actually training your body to regulate your HRV a little bit better. My favorite for this is the leaf device. Really cool. Like in real time data. So you can optimize your HRV neurofeedback. We had a great episode with Dr. Andrew Hill about neurofeedback back in 2020. So if you're interested in more about neurofeedback, definitely check out that episode. But neurofeedback can be a great way to retrain your brain and to optimize not just brain fog, but any other brain issues. So really, really great stuff there. Red light. We love our red light from Light Path LED. They, mm-hmm. Their red light is awesome. So really cool hack that the owner taught us is you can actually shine the red light on your gut to improve brain health because it works on the gut-brain axis there. Lots of great things with red light, also controls inflammation. And then sauna, far infrared sauna. I'm a big fan of that. I try and do that every day. That's just to enhance the detox pathways. So we were saying, you know, we're exposed to so many toxins every day. And of course we would love for our liver to just process that all day long, but we have other avenues to get toxins out, right? So the kidneys, not the best way to get toxins out, but the kidneys into the urine that will do a little bit of work. 
but be careful with that. The liver, obviously, but then also sweating. We can sweat out so many toxins and that is where the infrared saunas come in. So you have your near, mid, far infrared, but these are actually penetrating deeper under the skin and breaking up the cells that are containing these toxins releasing them and sweating them out. So you're not going to get the same benefit from just like a dry sauna or a steam sauna, unfortunately, not the same yeah. kind of detox. And then sweat. I we got to pee, we got to poop, which I think leads you to your next one. Sorry. Go yes. Ahead. The last, <laughs> the last pee coffee enema everyone's yep. favorite biohack. Yes. Yeah, so, well, enemas in general, obviously a great way to clean out the colon, but coffee enemas actually help to uh, basically they stimulate the liver. So it's an actual, how do I say like a bonus detoxification. So you can certainly just do an enema with like filtered water, but the coffee adds a little bit extra there. And if you are going to do a coffee enema, remember what we said about the coffee we're drinking it needs to be organic, got mold clean. free. You don't want to be putting anything moldy up there. <laughs> don't yeah. drink it and don't put it in the enema. Right. Yeah. I know people have had bad reactions. I think, I feel like there was something with Gwyneth Paltrow speaking against coffee enemas. I don't know what kind of coffee she was using, but like you could do this incorrectly. (laughs) Yeah. Don't just like run to Dunkin' Donuts and grab your enema bucket. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We'll put some resources in the show notes about coffee enemas if you want to learn more. Yes. Great. All right. Those are our favorite biohacks. So hopefully we created a roadmap for you. If you had to take notes or if you didn't, maybe you want to go back and take notes, but revisit these steps because it is a step-by-step process. We want to make sure we're covering all of our bases, make sure we're zooming out, making sure we're continuing to ask these questions because sometimes the answer is just not going to pop up right away. We have to be really analytical and really open to the idea of finding new possibilities and new connections. Just remember... The body is a system. Our organs communicate. Everything is talking. So we're trying to enhance communication. We're trying to heal or we're trying to nourish the body so it can heal naturally. So always stepping back to determine the root causes multiple through testing. Remember, write out your timeline. That's such amazing advice, Renee. I really love that, the timeline. Make the necessary lifestyle changes because uh, the lifestyle changes may not be the full solution, but they are going to support all the other things. So you have to make sure you're doing that. Again, you can't, if you're getting crappy sleep, you can't take the nootropic. Um, And then consider additional support when needed. And we are always here for you as a resource if and when you want those supplements, if you need to know, you know, which brands, which combinations. Happy to give you guys advice on that. Okay. Brain fog. It is time to announce our bi-weekly giveaway winner. We are so grateful to those of you that have put in a rating or a review. This really helps us to share and further our mission for women's health and biohacking. So thank you so much for participating. Our winner has the opportunity to claim a free bag of Four Sigmatic Adaptogenic Coffee or Keon Coffee. These are our two favorite clean coffee brands. We love them so much. We would love to share them with you. So our winner is username SoulFunk76. Congratulations, SoulFunk76. Please email us at biohackerbabes at gmail.com. Reveal yourself so we can send you a bag of coffee. Just let us know which one you want and your mailing address, and we will get that sent right out to you. Thank you to everyone who played.
All right. Well, wishing everyone lots of happy brain health and healing your brain (laughs) boo-boos. I just love this topic so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, thank you for sending in your requests for episodes. I know we kind of just tied everything together. We, We pulled a bunch of requests and just lumped them all into brain fog. And I know it sounds complex, but listen, the body is complex and there's kind of no other way than stepping back, zooming out. So thank you for taking this ride with us. And if you have specific questions, as always, you can DM us on Instagram, biohackerbabes, or email us, biohackerbabes at gmail.com. Oh, so since we covered the brain today, this is a great segue into next week's episode. I'll just give you a preview. We are talking about Muse Neurofeedback, one of our favorite biohacks that we didn't cover today, but we'll save it for next week. So make sure you tune in. We love this device a lot and we'll just continue our brain talks. Cool. Great. All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in today. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Happy biohacking.